Welcome to Farcast. Now here's your host, Michael Farr. Welcome to the Farcast. I am Michael Farr. Happy New Year as we run in here to the end of 2018. Today is December 31st, and I am coming to you live from Naples, Florida, where it's about 78 degrees and sunny, with apologies to all of you who are not here, because it's 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 pretty fabulous. I wish you were here. Uh, the weather is lovely on this last day of 2018. And of course, as we look to 2019, we wish all of you a very happy peaceful, blessed, uh, profitable, uh, and very healthy uh, 2019 uh, for you and your families. We look back uh, and we see markets have uh, been down a bit this year. You know, they really haven't gone down as much as they feel like they've been down in recent days. The Dow Jones Industrial Average and the S&P 500 are both down just a little bit more than 6% for the year, though they're both down like 13 and 14 percent over the past three months. The NASDAQ, which is the tech heavy index, is down four and a half percent for the year, so less than the Dow and S&P. And it's but it's been down 18 percent over the last three months. So the stuff that really went up a whole lot, of course, at the beginning of the year uh, has gone down even more at the end of the year. So not only should we be saying the tech heavy tech-heavy NASDAQ, I think we should also say the uh, much more volatile uh, NASDAQ. Well, as many of you know, at the end of every year, and for several years now, I have been coming up with my top 10 list, my top 10 picks for uh, 20 for the following year, and I will invest in these names uh, later today. I will buy uh, equal parts of these 10 names, and I will hold them for the year. So this morning, I will be selling the 10 names I bought last year. And may I say to each and every one of, well, it's not true, but to the whole list, I'll say a good riddance because it has been a, a year where we underperformed. Uh, last I checked, we were down about 10% or slightly more. Other years, we've been up a good deal more. And so here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a money manager or an investor, if you're going to compare yourself against an index of 500 stocks, the best way to match that index is to buy 500 stocks. And if you buy fewer than 500 stocks, uh, let's say you buy 50, you should be prepared for your performance of your 50 stocks to be different from the 500. And you're going to try to pick 50 stocks that are better than the 500, but at any point, given the vagaries of the market and to whether tech's leading or whether energy's having a problem or whatever's going on economically in the trade wars or the price of basic materials, your 50 stocks will perform differently than that 500. And sometimes that 50 might be better or that 50 might be worse. But you can't hope to outperform the index unless you own something different than the index. If I own the 500, I can't outperform. Conversely, I can't underperform, and a lot of people as investors say that's not a bad thing, and I just want to own, you know, sort of no-load index funds through Vanguard, and that's not a bad thing because over time you will uh, participate in the growth of the S&P 500 and basically corporate America over a number of years, and that's a good thing, and it's a good thing 
particularly if you're not a sophisticated investor or if you don't desire to purchase individual shares and do the individual research and endure right the volatility that we've had that could be different from the markets one of the things we try to do at far miller in washington is buy more defensive names so during periods uh, of downturn we hope to go down less at far miller in washington given the defensive names we buy I'm going to give you a list this year of 10 names that I believe are defensive, and they're defensive in two ways. One, their balance sheets are fabulous. They've got a lot of cash. They don't have a lot of debt. And to me, the most important thing that, that our companies boast is superior earnings growth, right? Because earnings growth is the most significant indica indicator of stock price performance over time. Now, that's so important, I'm going to repeat it. Earnings growth is the most significant indicator of stock price performance over time. A company growing its earnings year after year after year will see its stock price go up year after year after year. So uh, we've seen a year that has not been a great year for markets. We're seeing a lot of stocks that are down 20 and 30% off their uh, all-time highs. We're seeing certain sectors that really have gone through full-on bear markets. Um, uh, meaning down more than 20%. Uh, the S&P did tick down over 20% before we had that 1,100-point rally uh, earlier this week. We were down 20% on the S&P. NASDAQ has gone down over 20%. As we come into the end of the year, and just before I get to my uh, list, uh, oil is trading right at around $45 a barrel. Gold is trading at around $1,285 an ounce. The 10-year Treasury, 2.7%, and the dollar is at uh, 114 versus the euro, euro. So the dollar's strong, and interest rates are low, and inflation is low, and there are a lot of good things out there. But we know we've got these you know, trade war threats uh, going on. We have a government in shutdown here at the end of the year. Lots of vagaries and things to concern ourselves about. But bottom line, I think the economy is continuing to expand and continuing to grow. And what I've been saying over the past several months as the market's gone lower is that I believe that the market has been repricing. It has been adjusting its price for future growth expectations for the economy. So uh, I think, you know, this past year where we had a big tax cut and a big spending bill, we saw the economic growth in the U.S. surge to 4%. It had been hanging around 2 to 2.5%. Two well, without those two big injections of cash from a tax cut and from a big spending bill, uh, we're going to go back to 2, two, two to 2.5%, two and, and markets are adjusting for a slower growth environment. That's not a no-growth environment, okay? Stick with me on this. So we're going to grow more slowly again, but we're not going to not grow. We are going to grow. And I think things look pretty good overall. And when you see stocks take a 20% hit, in my experience, you buy them. So I'm not, uh, even though this is my top 10 list, making recommendations to buy or sell securities. Please don't make any decision here based on my recommendation. I'm simply sharing with you what I'm doing. And please check with your financial advisor or financial professional before making any decision to purchase or sell any security. So... I'm a buy-to-hold firm. I have very low turnover. I will buy an equal dollar amount of each of these uh, positions. This year's list represents eight of the 11 S&P 500 industry sectors. Um, 
I, I've got uh, included on my website, and you can subscribe to the uh, our weekly market commentary. It's free. You, it's all in there. Uh, we will have a uh, average long-term earnings growth rate well above the S&P 500's average. So I'm buying a superior growth rate. I'm not going to pay more for it. In fact, I think I'm going to pay a, a discount uh, to the S&P on another metrics. And these companies are much larger than the average company in the S&P 500. And I've got an average dividend of about 2.1%. 2.1%. But remember, not recommendations to buy or sell. You can lose your principal and past performance. No indication of future results in for given 2017. Thank God for that. I hope that 20 or 2018, thank God for that. I hope that 2019 is a big rebound list because I own it. <laughs> I've got my own money in this. Um, first up, Walt Disney. One of the most prestigious brands in the world. Uh, it, you know, came from the small animation studio. Bob Iger is the CEO. He does a terrific job. But Disney owns a bunch of different properties. And I love these different properties, okay? Uh, Pixar Animation, Lucasfilm, Marvel Entertainment. And they are in the uh, finalizing the acquisition of most of 21st Century Fox's assets, which gives them a huge library, Okay. Uh, and it's getting ready to launch. This is going to be really key. I, I'm excited about this. It's preparing to launch uh, this Disney-branded over-the-top OTT service, over-the-top. So it's going to be like a Netflix only of all the Disney titles where you can subscribe. And Disney's going to get out there and compete with Netflix. They're one of the least indebted media companies, generate strong cash flow, 14.9 times earnings. They've got a 1.7% dividend. I think they're going to grow those earnings at 10%. So you've got an S&P going to grow earnings, I think, at around 7% and trading at 14.3 times earnings. Disney's at 14.9 with a 1.7% dividend. Uh, S&P's at 7% earnings growth. This is 10% earnings growth. I'm, I, I, I like this company. I'm going to do it. CVS, Caremark. Okay, CVS sounds like a boring company, but listen. They've got 9,900. They've got almost 10,000 retail pharmacies. They've got 1,100 walk-in medical clinics. They've got a pharmacy benefit manager with, listen to this, 93 million plan members. You know, there are only 320 million Americans. So they've got about a third of the population as members of this pharmacy. They've got a leading standalone Medicare Part D prescription drug plan. Now, in 2028, they're going to be 78 million Americans over 65. So almost 20% of the U.S. population is going to be over 65 years old. These people also have a leading Medicare D. So uh, they've uh, recently closed this transformative acquisition with Aetna. Um, and they're going to, so they've got this vertically integrated one-stop shop for healthcare services. Anyway, I like it. They've got great, strong, free cash flow. I think they can delever their balance sheet. Um, uh, over the next two to three years, eight times earnings, growing earnings at 12% uh, and paying you a 3% dividend. I mean, uh, uh, it just makes great sense to me. And by the way, you grow earnings at uh, 12% per year. Those earnings are going to double um, in, what, six years, five and a half years, something like that compounded. FedEx. FedEx has been killed this year. FedEx is down 41% from its 52-week high. They're worried about a trade war with China. Uh, they're 
worried about weaker economic growth in the U.S. and abroad, pressures in Europe they've mentioned recently, and there's a perception that they're going to have a competitive threat from Amazon. So I'm paying attention to, like, uh, the weaker economic growth and the problems with Europe. Amazon, I think, is overblown. It's taken FedEx decades to build this world-class distribution company. You don't jump into that. And, you know, FedEx, along with other transportation companies, have high fixed costs. You know, they've got planes, they've got trucks, they've got, they can't be quickly and efficiently eliminated. You know, uh, they've got their fixed costs there, but they put all of that, there are huge barriers to entry in what FedEx has built, right? And so they have some fixed costs. They could have some more margin pressure. But look, uh, this is a company that's trading at 9.4 times earnings. 9.4 times earnings. The S&P is trading at 14 times earnings. Huge discount to the S&P 500, 1.6% dividend. I think FedEx is going to grow those earnings over the next several years, several years at around 14%, almost twice the rate of the S&P 500. So you get twice the growth. You get a 1.6% dividend. I like this company. Goldman Sachs has been killed too. Look, the entire financial sector given what's happened with interest rates and the Federal Reserve worries and maybe a slowing economy. The whole financial sector down 22% from its highs in the past year. Goldman Sachs has gone down 40% from its 52-week high. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the rule on Wall Street is buy low and sell high. People hate to buy stuff when it's getting beaten up, and they love to buy stuff when it's like making new highs. Look at it. It just keeps going up. Let's buy it. No. Buy it after it's gone down 40%. That's what FAR is doing. It is selling at a discount to tangible book, a discount to its book value. If they took all of the you know, uh, computers and desks and desk chairs and everything and all of their properties and sold them, you'd get more money than the company's selling for right now. So I like this. I think for the next three to five years, this company gets back to its you know, $5 billion uh, a year growth um, in revenue number, I, I just, I, I, I like this. Uh, I like Goldman Sachs just a lot. Um, they did have some controversy uh, in Malaysia. Uh, I think it will be distracting for a while. I'm not that concerned about it long time. You remember the fat finger thing with, with and, the, and the whale uh, with uh, J.P. Morgan years ago? Those things slip away. This company's going to grow at 12%, I think. Um, 8.8, less than, uh, let's see, 0.89% of uh, percent of uh, book value, a tangible book value, and the current dividends, 1.9%. Johnson & Johnson. Johnson & Johnson has been kicked in the teeth, too. So you're catching my theme here. These are great, fabulous companies. Triple uh, A balance sheet um, and, and has, has suffered a bit this year. Um, they've been pressured over the past couple of weeks following uh, this Damaging Reuters, Reuters article, which alleges that Johnson & Johnson's management knew for decades ago that there were asbestos particles um, in uh, baby powder. Um, Johnson & Johnson is now at 17 times earnings. It's a premium to the S&P, 2.8% dividend yield. And I think that Johnson & Johnson should continue to grow faster in a more stable fashion than the S&P. I think 8% growth. Uh, on a AAA balance sheet, I think looks terrific. Cognizant is another name that I like a lot. Now, Cognizant is not a household name, but Cognizant Technology Solutions is a global provider of information technology consulting and business process outsourcing. Company sends um, their teams uh, of technical and account management people on site into the client location, and then they have these 
offshore uh, centers, development centers around the world. Um, it's becoming a more stable company uh, overall uh, in the IT space, 13 times uh, next year's estimates, dividend of 1.3%, growing at 14%. Uh, so uh, 13 times estimates, the S&P 500 well above, is like above 14%. So this is a slight discount to the S&P in terms of price. Twice the growth rate. I'm, I'm buying it. I like the company. Ross Stores, let's go to retail. Operates a growing off-price retail channel. It's like TJ Maxx or it, it operates stores like, like, it doesn't operate home goods, but it operates stores like home goods where they bring in all of this junk. Uh, they have kind of, uh, they sell it at cheap discount prices and people kind of go treasure hunting. They've got 1,720 stores right now. They think um, they're growing that at 5 to 6%. They see a potential for 3,000 stores. They think they can double. They don't require a fashion or product innovation. They just get cheap inventory. They turn it over quickly, and it allows the company a great leverage. So um, it, I, I like what they do. I like for retail the way they operate. Since 1988, they've only failed to grow in three years, since 1988. And they were able to grow during the last two recessions. Ladies and gentlemen, a recession is on our horizon in the next couple of years, okay? So... Uh, I do look for things that are going to able able to endure. C.S. Lewis wrote that important things in life needed uh, you need to be able to either enjoy or endure all of your most important decisions in life. C.S. Lewis said that's the way I like to invest. I want to make sure that I and my clients can enjoy the benefits, but more important is that we can endure those decisions. If the market is unkind to us, Ross Stores dividend at 1.1 percent. Um, kind of like kissing your sister, but you're still getting paid and growing earnings at 10%. Facebook, boy, the stock that everybody loves to hate, right? Facebook. Here's the key about Facebook, all right? Facebook is at about 18 times next year's estimates. They've made a lot of investments. They had very little growth in 2018. I think they're going to return to double-digit growth. I think it's going to be north of 21% growth. Here's the deal with Facebook. They own Instagram and WhatsApp, lots of users. They have 2.3 billion monthly users. 2.3 billion. They're only like 3.4 billion people who have Internet access in the world. 3.4 billion in the world. 2.3 billion of them are on Facebook, all right, and are monthly users. So I think that's hugely powerful. Uh, the company doesn't pay a dividend. I know they're having problems. If I were going to make one change at Facebook, I would go in and take over their communications department. I think they have the worst corporate communications on earth. I think Mark Zuckerberg simply doesn't know how to deal with the public. Uh, it, there are professionals out there that I think could add billions of dollars to this company's market cap if they would just figure out their damn messaging. But they say, oh, Sam, to get out of their own way. Stock, I think, is cheap. If we can grow anywhere close to that 20% that I think they can at 17 times earnings, I'm going to own this one. Chevron in the oil stocks. So oil has gotten killed this year. Oil has fallen over 40% from its 2018 high. That's another mystery, mystery to me, ladies and gentlemen. I've never quite understood how the price of a global commodity can be worth 40% more or less over a six-month period. I mean, what's changed in the world in six months that a global commodity is suddenly worth 40% more or less? 
I've never been able to figure it out. I find it very frustrating because I've never been able to explain it. Uh, you can't just supply and demand it. There's a lot of emotion in there uh, as well. But Chevron, 67% liquids-based uh, company, 67% of that's primarily oil. Uh, they are diversified. Growing at about 9%, the stock is trading at 13 and a half times earnings. Listen to this, ladies and gents, 4.1% dividend, 4.1% dividend. Now, this is a very cyclical company, right? Because oil is a cyclical commodity. And so I look back on a cyclical company and I normalize earnings through those other market cycles. Uh, and that would mean that uh, it would be at about uh, 18 times normalized earnings or 16 times its average annual earnings per share for the last 17 years. I think that this is a good, strong company. Over time, 4.1% dividend yield, I can hold it and wait. United Technologies is a, in my last one, diversified industrial company, provides products and services to building systems, aerospace worldwide. Um, so Pratt & Whitney and UTC Aerospace target commercial and government, defense, and space customers. The industrial business includes Otis Elevator Business and Carrier HVAC. They've got a great long-term track record, strong double-digit earnings growth. They've got outstanding cash generation. But look, in the past year, they've spent a lot of money, year or two, they've got a great balance sheet. Okay, great balance sheet. Past year or two, um, they have invested a lot of money in these new jet engines. It's called a, it's type of a new geared um, turbofan. It is groundbreaking. They've spent a lot of money on it. I believe that if it is adopted the way I think it's going to be adopted, it's going to be a huge moneymaker for uh, United Tech Technologies. So they're improving performance, uh, and they've also made the decision to split the company into three parts within the next uh, year and a half to two years. And once the separation is complete, each company will be able to increase focus, transparency, and I think earnings visibility, goal of ultimately creating a lot more shareholder value. 13 times earnings, 13 times earnings, growing those earnings at 11%, 11%, and we've got a dividend of 2.8%. So you've got a dividend higher than the U.S. 10-year Treasury right now, and uh, growing 11% earnings, S&P's growing earnings at 7% uh, at 13 times. I, I like this company. So there, ladies and gentlemen, is my list for uh, 2019, my top 10. Uh, my top 10 list, by the way, uh, has is trading at 13.3 uh, times earnings on average, which is a discount to the S&P. Uh, I've got earnings growth on average of 12%, of the average of those 10 names, 12% versus 7% for the S&P. Uh, and a dividend yield of 2% even, that's because that Facebook's bringing it down with zero dividend, but 2% uh, even versus 2.2% for the S&P. So I'm giving up a fraction of a percent on my dividend for a lot more earnings growth, which, as we know, drives stock performance, uh, price performance over time. Ladies and gentlemen, we wish you a happy, blessed, healthy, prosperous 2019. Thank you for your loyalty, for listening to the Farcast, uh, for all of our clients at Far Miller and Washington. We are so grateful to you for your friendship and many years of loyal support. 
If we can be helpful to you at Farr Miller in Washington, please give us a call. You can reach out at farmiller.com, farmiller.com, uh, 202-530-5600. Ask for me. I'll be happy to chat with you, and I'm happy to put you in touch with one of our terrific client portfolio managers or other financial professionals. In Washington, D.C., with every good wish for you and a very uh, grateful heart, I'm Michael Farr. Happy 2019.